0: Jesus is real. There's power in Your name. We find hope when we trust in Your ways. We need
1: Jesus is real. So the peace that we see in the Bible, the peace that Jesus came to broker on our behalf is not something that we self-generate. If you are particularly inclined to the Eastern philosophies, all of the meditation on nothing will give you this. All of the choosing a syllable of your choice, thinking that that was the original sound in the universe, will not give you what we're gonna talk about today.
0: How would you rather be known to someone for your joy or your wrath, for your gentleness or abrasiveness, Most people would answer on the side of joy and gentleness because we all crave peace in our lives. In this message today, Pastor Daniel will delve into the biblical meaning of peace and how it's so much more than we think it is. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, so it begins with Jesus. In Him, we can traverse tribulation with peace. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with today's special Christmas message entitled, Peace.
1: You get a sense that there's a theme going on here at Crossroads this Christmas season, and that theme is simply Jesus, the Christ of Christmas. In the midst of much preparation, running around, I made the mistake of trying to go to Cascade Station yesterday, and I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we're blessed. We live in America. We have so much, so much to be thankful for, but we really, in the midst of so much, we want to remember that this season is really about Jesus. They don't call it Christmas for nothing. Some people want to call it Xmas, and they, you know, in a lot of ways, that doesn't bother me very much, because for most people, it's not about Christ at all. It's about presents and gifts. And as Christians, our job is not to tell everybody else what to do. Our job is to make the most of Jesus this Christmas. Now, don't get me, I'm not saying we should call it Xmas, don't over, you see what I'm saying, I'm making a, a correlation We we don't have control over everybody else, but we do have control over our lives, who we are, what we do, why we do what we do. And our hope and prayer for all of us this season is that we make Christmas about Christ, about Jesus. And that's why Pastor Bill and I are doing this series that we're calling Adventageous. That word Advent, it comes from the Latin word, which literally means the coming, and Long before there was the Bible that we could read in our hands, the church put themselves on what they'd call a liturgical calendar where at different times of the year, they'd focus on different things. And so the four Sundays before Christmas, they focused on Advent, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And so, you know, as a church, we are unabashedly and will always be a Bible-teaching church. That's what we do. That's what we'll always do. But we thought it'd be good to spend these few weeks around Christmas time, just reflecting on what the coming of Jesus is all about. And so last week, Pastor Bill gave a phenomenal message on hope. This week, I get to deal with the reality of Jesus being our peace. Jesus is our peace. Again, very apropos, given what's been going on in our world. I wanted to begin reading once again a a scripture that Pastor Jason read from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This prophecy of the coming of Jesus, it says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You catch that? His name will be called prince of peace. Jesus came into the world to broker peace and to bring peace. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus is not a simple person. We know in the Gospels, and you astute Bible readers would say, well, didn't Jesus say, I did not come to bring peace but a sword dividing families? Now, think about it. Jesus is saying his coming is going to be so decisive that it will be divisive. That when he comes, there's going to be people who say, yes, I believe in Jesus. And people who say, no, I do not. And that's what he means that he came to bring a sword. That divisiveness. Even if you were to be in Times Square in New York, right now there's a huge billboard that says, Jesus is a myth. Huge billboard. And hey, we applaud free speech. We're grateful for free speech. But the only thing I say when I read that, I say, well, prove it. Because somebody failed history in college. I mean, you can say that Jesus is a myth, but he's not a myth. I mean, let's be honest. We have three eyewitness testimonies in the gospel record alone. That's enough to convict in any court of law in America. So you can say things like that. We live in a country that we value free speech, and I value it. I'm grateful I can stand up here and say the things I say to you because of that same law. But there are people who just don't believe in Jesus. They believe is a myth. But I always say the same thing. Jesus is a myth. Prove it. And then they go in and they say, oh, well, you know, there's in every culture there's pictures of this. I'm like, so you're telling me that because in every culture there's a picture of someone like this, that Jesus wasn't real? I mean, are you kidding me? In every culture, there are leaders. Like we have a George Washington. Somebody else has a somebody else. George Washington wasn't really He was a myth because there was a great first president leader of that country. That is bad. That's not even logical. But see, Jesus is so decisive in his coming that it can be divisive because some people believe and some people don't. But irrespective of where you stand with Jesus, God promised that Jesus would come to be the Prince of Peace. And we're going to spend our time today looking at that looking at what it means for Jesus to be the Prince of Peace. Now, common definitions of peace, things like freedom from civil disturbance, a state of security or order within a community provided by a law or custom, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relations, a state of... Mutual concord between governments. These are all, in a sense, true definitions of peace. As it relates to us, us as individuals, interpersonally, uh, governmentally and societally, all those things. But there's a, a commentator, a, a scholar named Cornelius Plantica, who I believe nailed Best definition I've ever read of the biblical concept of that word peace. I've shared this with you all many times before, but it's so good. I have no problem sharing it again. It's like your favorite meal. You just go back to that same place again. Tastes so good. Cornelius Planting. And I want to say this because oftentimes, I mean, Pastor Bill and I, we quote a lot of people. There's lots of quotations. Just because we're quoting someone doesn't mean we believe everything they've ever said or thought. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't even read much Cornelius Plantica has about 15 books out and I read one. So when you quote somebody, just in the, just always think, they're not agreeing with everything. They, say, they disagree with what they're saying right here. Make sense? Because sometimes as a teacher, you get in trouble. People say, oh, you quoted so and so and they believe this. And I'm like, I didn't quote all that stuff. I just quoted that one because he got that right. Listen to Cornelius Plantica on peace. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind. Or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace, means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. It is a rich state of affairs where natural needs are satisfied and natural giftings are fruitfully employed all under the arch of God and in his love. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. That's a gorgeous, profound, very deep definition of the biblical word peace. It's about universal flourishing, wholeness and delight. It's the way things ought to be. And this is what Jesus came, born in a manger in Bethlehem to usher in. So I want to study this with you all. So I want you to open up in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to take verses 4 to 13. So if it's your first time opening up a Bible, it's towards the back, it's probably about the last quarter of your Bible, in between the book of Ephesians and Colossians, in the epistles of Paul, the letters of Paul. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to pick up in verse 4, I'm going to read the whole passage and then we're going to go through it. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say, rejoice, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see why I chose this passage, I hope. In verse 8, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And then again, the Apostle Paul says in verse 9, the love and the God of peace will be with you. I'll be honest with you. I've known I was going to be teaching this topic for about a month now, and I had a whole message prepared. It was, it's a great message. But as Pastor Bill was finishing up his message last week, I just felt like the Lord was like, I want you to do that passage. And it was awesome because I went, and the beauty of technology, I went on my phone, and I punched out an outline, and boom. So if I ever get to do a message on peace, I have a whole other great message. I have almost a point per verse here. A point per verse here. Oh, the joys of public teaching. <laughs> Let's jump right on. If you have your study guide, you'll enjoy this. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Notice this. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit Peace is the fruit of the Spirit Now where do I get this from? Notice the words here Rejoice always Indeed I say rejoice That's joy Let your gentleness be known to all men all right, That's in verse 5 And we're talking about peace Listen to Galatians chapter 5 Verses 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. See, the Apostle Paul, in beginning to close this letter to the church in Philippi, says, Rejoice! Let your gentleness be known to all. And we're going to see in a second he's going to be talking about God's peace. All of these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you notice in the book of Galatians, it's not fruits of the Holy Spirit, but it's singular. There's one fruit. And that fruit plays itself out in love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, all these things. So the peace that we see in the Bible, the peace that Jesus came to broker on our behalf is not something that we self-generate. If you are particularly inclined to the Eastern philosophies, all of the meditation on nothing will give you this. All of the choosing a syllable of your choice, thinking that that was the original sound in the universe, will not give you what we're going to talk about today. This is solely the fruit of of the Spirit, it is something that God Almighty does when He comes and indwells our hearts through faith in Jesus, and then from the inside bears fruit. Now what's awesome about this reality is that nature teaches us this, if I plant an apple seed in my backyard as much as I may want to, I'm not going to get zucchini off of that plant. I'm not, I would love to, it would be super cool, I can believe that I will, but when you plant an apple seed In the right environment, you're going to get an apple tree. Make sense? Nature teaches us this. Whatever you sow, that's what you reap. And so what we're talking about here today is something that is gifted to us by God through faith, and it plays itself out in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such, there's no law. That is what it means to live a right life in the eyes of God. And it's not us living it out. It's God inspiring in us from within. So when he says, rejoice always, indeed I say rejoice, you know what always means? It means always. That's right. I know I'm really witty this morning. I'm hitting it on all cylinders. <laughs> rejoice always, brothers and sisters, always. Because God is God. Rejoice always. Let your gentleness be known to all men. You know what all means? All. Let's ask ourselves, are we known by our joy that we have always? Do people know us by our gentleness? All people. The people we don't agree with, the people we do agree with, the people we like to spend time with, and the people we'd rather never have to spend time with. Are we characterized by gentleness? Because peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, look at verse 6. Look at what it says going on. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Brothers and sisters, peace is produced by prayer. Peace is produced by prayer. Notice, it says, be anxious for nothing. That's not an option. That's a commandment. It's in the imperative. Now, let's be honest. Anxiety comes easy, doesn't it? It comes really easy. We have so much to be anxious about. Why? Because tomorrow hasn't happened yet. And the could be's, what may happens are endless, infinite. All options are on the table tomorrow because it hasn't happened yet. So we have so much fertile soil for anxiety. So much. But then you read something in your Bible that says, be anxious for nothing. And it's a command. And at that point, we decide, we make decisions that say, am I going to trust God and take my anxious thoughts captive? Or am I just going to do what comes really naturally because I have ample evidence to be anxious? You read the end of Romans chapter 8, it's a beautiful section, The Apostle Paul, talking to the church in Rome, says, if God is for us, who shall be against us? Right? And our our heart's response wants to say nothing. But that's not what the Apostle Paul says. He says all these things will be against us. Nakedness, peril, famine, famine. When he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He's not saying that there's nothing against us. He's saying infinite things are against us, but God is for us. And that's a huge thing, isn't it? The reality that in this world we will have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. And Paul ends Romans chapter 8 by saying, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything can be against us, but God is for us. And we have infinite reasons to be anxious except God is for us and peace is produced by prayer. He says, doesn't just say, be anxious for nothing and give us no tools. He says, be anxious for nothing and then he gives us tools. Look at what he says. But in everything. Now what does everything mean? Oh, you guys are hitting it today. A plus, A plus, smiley face, check mark. Everything means everything. In everything, notice... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything, he gives us four attributes. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, and requests. I like that. The Apostle Paul, he's excited by you guys as well. He's rolling with this. He's like, listen, don't ever be anxious. In nothing, be anxious. In everything, by prayer. Prayer is the word for the whole of our communion with God. God is the only person who gets the word prayer for our relationship. I can talk with my wife. I can preach to you all. But when God and I sit down and chat, we're praying. I'm praying. He's talking. God gets his own word for the whole of the communication that I have with him. That's the word prayer. Supplication. That's expressions of need. When you come to the Lord, you would be like, Lord, I need X. That's supplicating. Notice, thanksgiving, gratefulness for any and all things. For most of us, the Thanksgiving piece of prayer is the one that we really need to lean into. Because talking to God, as Christians, we, we know that we do that, we like doing that, we have prayer meetings, all these things. Asking for expressions of need, that comes really naturally. But simply saying, God, even if you don't do this, you're a rock. You're the best. I mean, Lord, it's so cool that you still have time in your day planner for me and my stuff. You're the nicest person I've ever met, Lord. You're the kindest person I know, Lord. Your sense of humor is wicked funny. Thank you, God, for for loving me, for bearing with me that Thanksgiving paces and then let your request be made known to God. Notice Paul's idea of Being anxious for nothing is not a calling to apathy. It's not a calling to inaction. Instead, it's saying, commit your life to God and trust him for the outcome.
0: Jesus is real. Well, thanks again for joining us for today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco. The Christmas season is a time for family and friends, but it can be stressful. The list of things to do can be daunting. And finding just the right gift can be a challenge as well. Have you thought about giving God's Word? Giving the gift of God's Word is the perfect gift for anyone. We might have just what you need. Throughout the month of December, we would like to offer three special Christmas messages on a single CD to anyone who supports the ministry of Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more. These special Christmas messages are entitled A Housing Crisis, O Christmas 3, and Peace. To support Jesus Is Real Radio, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. Again, for anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of December, we will send you a single CD with three special Christmas messages, A Housing Crisis, "Oh Christmas 3, and Peace. So log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu to help support Jesus is Real Radio, and we'll send you a special Christmas CD as a thank you. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.